Hey, this is Father Chris from Cool Hip Priest, and you are listening to The Wild Man and Steve. You are about to listen to the intersection of faith, talk, and music. The Wild Man and Steve Show starts right now. So what? See, I knew you were going to bite me, Ben. I knew it. Because what do I normally say? I, I, you know, I wish I knew. I, I don't listen to you, so I really don't know what oh, you say. You just said it again. You just said so again. Ah. Yeah, wouldn't it be something if we were to write down how often we say so? What I typically say is so Steve, right? So Steve, yes. And then what do you say in response to that? You don't even listen to I yourself? I don't usually listen to myself, so... You say, so wild, man, right? Now, it's interesting because being the... Both of us have some uh, uh, interest in linguistics and etymology and so forth. You know, the old English way of saying so was... Are you ready? Swa. That's interesting you say that. So I know our fans yeah, are expecting You just this. did it again. <laughs> well, okay. So, uh, so you, all right, look. So, so, so. No, look. You, you can't bring out so and old English and not expect me to go full on Beowulf. Okay. And I realize our fans are expecting like some, you know, interview and like a metal artist and whatnot. But hold on a minute. So when the Irish poet (laughs) Seamus Haney translated the classic uh, poem Beowulf, Mm -hmm. the very first word of that poem, which in the Old English is Mm H-W-A-E-T, Haney's first word translation was so. He translated that very first word as so. There you go. Yeah. So, so, so there there you go. (laughs) And, you know, speaking of Beowulf, Mm. Can I just say, wild man, that while, you know, I love, I love the, the hard rock. I love, you know, the, the killer metal, rawr, you know, and all this. Sometimes I just am looking for some good, how should I put this? Almost like symphonic metal. Mm. Um, some good, um, uh, how should I put this? Almost like fantasy based lyric kind of metal that transports me to another time and place and makes me think of castles and 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 wisps of fog and stuff like that wait did you just say wisps of fog i did i said wisps of fog it's a very interesting term to say isn't it? i guess it's a fun term to say as far as i'm concerned it could be a title of a great metal album wisps of fog yeah. But just one time, could you think, well, man, we could get a guest on this show 
that maybe yeah. does something in that sort of a genre, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is a possibility, but there would be a requirement on your side, though, and that would be for you to remember that I am to introduce Mr. Segway before he does Mr. Segway's job. Wait, wait a minute. You mean I just segued into the show? Oh, this is one of those, uh, oops, you segued? Is that what it is? Oops, yeah. he segued? Wow. So... Swa, what do we do now? I think we need to introduce our guest. That's a good idea. I think we need to stop talking. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have Leah with us. How are you doing? And welcome to the program. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Good, good. You know, I really appreciate that because usually after one of our intros, um, it's hard for the guests to say, I'm happy to be here. Usually that's when they decide I'm no longer happy to be here. <laughs> hearing you guys do what you think is funny. Um, but, you know, that's what we do at our age. That's what we do. We just do what we think is funny and, and just go with it. So uh, I did it again, didn't I? How many times am I going to say so in this whole thing? Um, anyway, <laughs> so the, the first thing is for our listeners, um, when we interview an artist, the first thing is we always want to talk about um, your journey when it comes to being a musician, your journey in music. Um, how, Leah, how did you get started in the first place and where does your passion for music come from? Yeah, so I started um, writing songs when I was a teenager, you know, typical teenage angst and trying to get all those emotions out and taught myself guitar and piano and um, started mimicking other artists and found out that I had my own voice and my own style and kind of went from there. And then um, as uh, you know, and back in those days, it was just whatever was on the radio, right? It was I didn't really have like my own taste just yet. But I was raised on some great, um, I guess it would be like oldies now, like my dad, uh, you know, loved to, the, the good old rock and roll stuff and Jimi Hendrix and the doors and all that. So that actually did influence me quite a bit. I think later on I realized it. Um, so I did definitely gravitate to like more of the Jim Morrison side than like the Beatles side of things. Like it was a little more dark, a little more, um, you know, the the world influences. He even like dabbled in some of those Eastern sounds and things like that. Um, I guess it was even more progressive. If you think about it, like progressive type rock compared to any, I mean, that was the heavy metal of the day. That was for yeah. sure. And then uh, I wasn't really introduced to, I'll say real heavy metal until I was a little later in my teen years. Um, so all the metal I'd heard before then was a little more like the mainstream stuff, which I would consider now just mainstream rock, it, you know, Maybe there was like corn and bands like that, but that I, I was not really attracted to that side of it. It wasn't until I heard more like European metal that I was like, oh my gosh, like that's when it really clicked with me. 
and that, you know, I was hearing all these, um, yeah, symphonic elements and orchestral elements and the crazy singing and these vocalists were unbelievable what they were doing. I think there were some American bands too that were amazing, but for some reason the, the European stuff just instantly clicked with me. And then I was like, oh, wow, like that just opened up a whole new world. And then I realized that maybe what would be great would be to combine some of my favorite things and see what would happen because I had never heard anyone do that yet. Uh, so this this background of mine, like I've got this Celtic, Irish, Scottish, British Isles heritage. And uh, I loved you know, anything to do with like books, movies, TV in that like historic and historic fantasy, mm. um, anything to do with that stuff, Braveheart, all of it. And then could I combine that with my favorite metal aspects? And cause I always thought maybe I'd have to choose one or the other and it, I was a little torn between worlds. So I thought, well, let's just see if I can kind of bring that out together. So um, that's kind of the thought process that was in my head. And my story is a little different than others in that I've had a kind of a, a back, a, a backwards career in that, you know, I got married and settled down, had a family first and then put out an album. You know, I didn't go touring the world first, although if I had the opportunity before, I probably would have for sure. But uh, just not the way it happened for me. So I, I, I think I got married at 20 or 21 and we just started family right away. So when I released my first album in 2012, which was called Of Earth and Angels, which was my first, I would call it more of like a folk rock with a little bit of metal in there. Um, by the time I released that, I I already had three kids and they were all little ankle biters, you know, little rug rats. And I'm cleaning spaghetti on the side and working on my album on the weekends. So that was an interesting progression of events uh, that you don't always see in the metal world. <laughs> I call it a backwards career. And then I built it after that. And I, I built it in a way that where I was like, so getting on a tour bus is not really in, in going to be realistic for me for quite some time. So what can I do with the internet? What can I do? So then I just got really good. I started studying like business and marketing and all that. And then I've built my career from that point, always being uh, essentially a recording artist and featuring guests on my album since then. And I think I've got five albums now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the nutshell version of what I do and how I got into it and just my journey so far. Wow. 
just <laughs> okay. So in what you just said right now, I've got so many questions. I'm going to talk about um, how, how motherhood plays into uh, your work as an artist. Uh, but I want to stay back with those influences a little bit. You, you mentioned some of the European um, metal bands. Uh, just maybe, can you give us a, two or three of those? Who, who were some of those artists that were really influential uh, that you were discovering back then? Oh, man. Um, initially, um, okay, so this is an American band, actually, but like Symphony X, when I heard them, I was like, whoa, my mind was blown. But I didn't start with them. It was like, I think my the first little like dipping the toes in the water was like Nightwish. So that was back then. I was I'd never heard anything like that before. I was like, is this a joke? Like there's opera and then there's metal. And it's like, what? I, I, I actually thought it was a joke at first. And then I realized, oh, no, this is like dead serious. And it's awesome. Okay. So it took, it took once the shock wore off of the first time hearing that. And even if you're in the metal world, you're like, uh, yeah, like it's like what, are, like so well known. But if that's your first exposure to it ever, you actually can't believe it's a thing at first. So, so there was that. And it was a little more on the, well, let's see, other bands. Um, so then there was more uh, like, more, I guess, in the more goth metal side of things. So like Lacuna Coil um, and that's, I really liked some of the darker stuff for some reason. And it, so I liked some of their, you know, their earlier albums. Um, and then, oh man, there's so many. Um, some of the ones, some of the more Dutch metal bands as well right. stood out to me. Um, a lot of them were female fronted, but I'm trying to think of some of the ones that had more male singers. I was really listening to initially. But you, um, know, you bring up a good point, and and I think you're right. I think for the first time when somebody hears uh, maybe the more orchestral sound or more uh, operatic elements uh, in with rock and metal that might, that might jar them a little bit. But I think metal is such a neat area of music because it has so many sub genres within it and metal just takes in so much musical territory and really seems to embrace that i think really serious metal fans really whether they really enjoy one or another but they at least respect it and recognize that you've got all those those things there and for for certainly for wild man and me and given our ages you know we we go back to the you know really the heyday the, the origins of this stuff when you're thinking of the late 60s and 70s and uh, bands like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin and all those guys. Uh, and very often you had some of those elements there. Um, Deep Purple, I think it was after their second or third album, released this uh, concerto uh, with uh, John Lord and, and I think it was the London Philharmonic. And so here you, you have that really from the very inception of this style of music. And so then just turns and, and, and branches out and branches out. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit, though, lyrically. I also want to go back to what you were saying with regarding, say, like the Beatles versus the Doors. And, you know, Jim Morrison's an absolute poet. And, and I'm, I'm certainly not knocking the lyrical content of the Beatles because everybody loves the Beatles, right? Everybody knows right. the Beatles. Songs love singing along the Beatles. That's great. But certainly Jim Morrison's stuff was poetry set to music. I mean, it really was. There's just a different thing there. So, uh is that kind of then what you once you discovered the doors and that kind of thing? Is that what, what made you say, yeah, I'm, I'm already writing this poetry as a young teenager. I want to see that married to music. Is that kind of what, what led you that way? Well, I definitely I feel like I 
rediscovered the doors in my teens. It was like, so I like grew up on them and didn't really pay too much attention. And then it was when I started getting into songwriting that I started listening to them on my own. I was like, Oh, I love this stuff. Like I love, I love what he's doing. I would read, I read Jim Morrison's biography and everything. And I mean, the guy was totally crazy, but fascinating and brilliant and talented and all those things. Um, for me, my songwriting process has always, I mean, I think as a teenager, I was writing more just as like, you know, the, the therapeutic type of writing. And that probably got um, the creative uh, juices flowing a lot more ready for songwriting. Whereas my process now looks different. It's almost, it's a lot more like music based. And a lot of times the, the lyrics and music happen at the same time. It's extremely chaotic process until it all comes together at the end. It's very weird. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely have been attracted more to, let's say the doors over the Beatles, Beatles. I would pick the doors anytime just because there's more, uh, well, I think the Beatles were incredibly talented, but it's definitely more manufactured, let's say than the doors. And that's also why they were more successful. And, you know, there's a lot of things you could, you could say about that. So, you know, you mentioned that about uh, songwriting and uh, somebody posted um, here, I think several months ago, uh, it, was an, it was an independent artist consultant, uh, so to speak, something like that, who said, if nobody listened to your music, would you still be doing this? And with that comes my question of, you know, when you write a song, it, it, it can be a both and or it can be an either or. How much of it do you do you believe the purpose is to touch the lives of others? And how much of it do you believe it's just simply, I just need to get this out, as you already referred to? Or is it a combination of both? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that one. Um, I believe that, and this is just coming from my perspective, that if you have a talent that it's there for a reason, so I do believe it's meant to be shared with the world, to what extent I think that that depends on the person's ambitions and their personal callings in life. Uh, I personally have more than one calling in life. And some people get confused by that because I do so many things. They're like, well, no, you can't, you can't be like a business owner and an artist. Like they think that that conflicts. I'm like, no, that makes me a better business owner. And it makes me a better artist because I do both. Right. And I'm a mother first and foremost, which is my top calling. And that's why I don't tour and they don't get that either. So they can't really put me in a box. So for me, I'm just, um, I, I just believe in callings and, and then living um, authentically in that calling. So for some people, some people have, have 
they could have giftings, but if they don't, if they don't, uh, you know, groom those things and grow them, then they're not really going to have necessarily a career in that path. So there's some life choices that have to be made there too. I, I, I do believe that if I weren't, if I, well, even at this point, some of the other things I'm doing are far more successful than my music right now. And I'm still writing music because that is a part of who I am. And um, yes, there's a therapeutic self-expression part of it, but I do think that uh, when you're really living as an artist, that there's more to it. There's a bigger picture. And I do think it's meant to be shared with the world. If you're, if you feel that that's part of your calling, hopefully that made sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Makes, makes perfect sense. I, I appreciate that because I think that in our world today, Steve and I have talked about this before that, you know, you, there, there used to be, if somebody was an artist that was publishing music, that's what they did. Nothing else. You know, we've run into several artists already that are doing similar things to what you're doing. And it's all, and it's, it's, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the pool to be able to do this for a living is really getting smaller as far as those who can uh, succeed um, and do this for a living. But a follow-up question to that same thought um, that I would have is for you personally, have there been moments? And if so, what would have been the moments that tell you, yes, this is why I do music and this is why I'm going to continue? Well, um, moments that's a i'm gonna have to think about that one well there's definitely like those messages you get from fans where they say things like that song got me through one of the darkest times in my life and i'm not sure that i would still be here kind of a thing you do get those those messages and that is in you know that impacts me very deeply i'm like wow not that it's my responsibility like if you don't make music, that's something bad's going to happen. But just that by putting it out there, you know, God was able to do whatever he wanted with that. And so keep putting it out there sort of thing. Right. And, and now I would say in this season of my life, I'm being more and more intentional with just like the kind of messaging I'm putting it out there as well, because knowing that people are singing along, knowing that people are playing this in their homes or in their cars or with their friends, or it's on some internet radio in a workplace or wherever it is, just knowing that, that you can speak life or death into the world. And so I'm trying to be more intentional to, to speak life through, through music. So I think that it can be incredibly impactful. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I love, I love that phrase, uh, speak life. Um, in fact, uh, one of my son's uh, favorite bands is uh, called For King and Country, and they've, they've got a song called Sp Speak Life. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit. You, you used the G word just now. You, you mentioned God. And, you know, one of the things over our uh, couple of years of, of podcasts here, we've encountered artists and their philosophy of music is this is a ministry first. And we want to be as clear and bold in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus as we can. And then you've got other artists who said, you know what? We want to come in under the radar. We want to come in and we're, we're not going to be over the top necessarily. We're going to play the secular festivals and venues and whatnot. And, and, and we want God just to, to work. We want to be open for, for whatever God wants to do through, through uh, the music there. 
And so some of the things I've, I've read about you online would seem that you are in that latter category. Is that right? And, and kind of extend on that. How do you see God working through your music and, and what you're doing? Yeah, that one's been a really interesting journey. I've um, been pretty conscious this entire time of what it was I wanted to do and be intentional. I, because I grew up um, with that background and with the, we'll say a Christian background, Christian music background, um, I was actually kind of turned off to the genre of Christian music itself. I didn't really like uh well, it's kind of, let's say I, I viewed it the same way that I view, or a lot of us view the Christian film industry, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, like there's some, there's obviously some talent out there, but also <laughs> it's also a little cringy, at least it used to be, right? I think these days, think, times have changed a lot, uh, but it used to be that it was very cringy and it was like, ugh, like I didn't want to associate with that necessarily. I wanted, I just wanted to be good. I wanted to be good in whatever I was doing and not necessarily, but then there was a whole marketing aspect to it where you also hear, I didn't like the hypocrisy I'd hear about the industry, about the, you know, the Christian music industry. You hear a lot of um, bad things coming out of there. You think, well, that was just about the money or that was just about uh, success. And the people who, there have been people who, you know, he, uh, headlining or frontlining uh, bands that don't even align with those beliefs at all. And it was all fake. Right. And then you hear stuff like that. And, and, and really, if we look at the whole world, there's hypocrisy everywhere. And I get that there's hypocrisy and you don't ever really escape that. Cause that's human nature. That's, that's how people are. But um, I would say earlier on my days, I really got kind of turned off to that. Didn't really want to associate with that. But um, I would say, I've always, I've been more in the second category where, yeah, I wanted to come in under the radar more on like the stealthy end of things, still wanting to make a positive impact. And especially in like, even just my dealings with people and the people I get to meet and greet, I didn't want to cut myself off from that side of things. And from um, even just the connections and stuff, because it seems, and I could have a wrong perception of this, but it seems like you kind of have to pick one or the other. And then if you put yourself in this camp that you are um, kind of committing to only those types of contacts and festivals and like just the opportunities are completely different. I could be wrong, but that's what it seemed like. Um, so in terms of my intentionality now, I would say I'm still in that second category. And I, I have friends that are in the other category where they're just totally out there. And that's awesome. And I've, I've, I've deeply considered going that. And I'll talk about my faith a little, a lot more openly these days, uh, you know, in my email newsletters and stuff, I've written um, some posts about it because people do ask me a lot of questions and some people pick things up in the lyrics and some people don't. And um, so, you know, there's opportunities for me to talk about it. I'm, it's just not, um, the it's not the how would you say it the uh i guess not as prominent as a feature we'll say as some other bands make it um but if you were to talk to me about my personal beliefs convictions and how strongly i believe them i'm pretty like i'm probably one of the most convicted people you'll meet on a lot of a lot of things especially on the spirituality and and all of that
about, you know, being a fan would contact you and say, you know, your music really saved me from a really dark moment. Or, or, or you know, I wouldn't even be here today if it weren't for something of yours that I listened to. And, and I, you know, again, I just think back to, you know, something Jesus said, he said very clearly, he said, you know, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so if, if what the result of something you're doing is bringing life, if it's, it's bringing light, it's bringing wholeness to somebody, then, then ultimately Jesus is in that. Whether you were explicitly singing a hymn or not, right? right? You know, his, he's in that. And so he has, he has certainly worked through that. Um, yeah, uh, which is, which is that's like exactly that. actually that's what I was going to say is, um, you know, I think that uh, I think there was a a quote. I think it was Martin Luther who said it about the shoemaker. Do you remember that that quote? He said something about um, did you find it? I got it. The Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but mm-hmm. by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. That's exactly it. There's my philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes. That is solid. Yeah. yeah. That is, that, that, that's great. And you know, it, it, it's interesting because Steve and I have had these discussions and um, we, we've talked to several different artists and there's artists that have the different perspective. One thing we've learned, even in the same genre, you cannot paint any art, artist with the same brush. You know, everybody's who they are, you know, and I, I think it. What, what I find interesting, though, is that, you know, I, I come out of the 80s and I was into the classic Christian rock scene, you know, the Striper, the Petra, the, you know, th- that that's all that I listened to. And what I appreciate, uh, what I appreciated about them was that the more that I did research on them and the more I found out about them, especially when I got older, that there wasn't a lot of the copycatting going on that a lot of people assume they were doing. There was a lot of originality that was happening with them. And so I get defensive sometimes when people speak against them. However, at the same time, um, we're here tonight, we're talking about symphonic metal. And what I find interesting and I, what I appreciate about symphonic metal and what you do is you have to be creative to do this. This is not something you can just listen to a, a song and learn three chords and then, hey, I got it. You know what I mean? This is something like you mentioned the term, you know, earlier on uh, how it's like an orchestra. It's it's something that's layered, that's built, that you create this. Um, and when you listen to especially we've had some from the Netherlands on the show that are are of that vein of the of the heavy metal overseas. And you hear a lot of that that. It, it just requires creativity to do that. You just don't just snap your fingers and there it is. And that's what I appreciate about it. And I appreciate that a lot about it that, that when you are creating this, the steps that you're going through, and I'm making assumptions here, um, but the, the, the steps that you're going through to finish a project or to finish a song um, is you're not like, here's, I got to get this done by tonight. You're just kind of saying, you're, it's almost like painting a picture you know, a painter who's painting a picture and only the painter knows when it's just right or when it's done, you know? And so I say that to say this, I say that to say that I appreciate the, the way that symphonic metal and the, um, and how we're seeing that grow more. 
Um, because I've always said it this way, that when it comes to that type of uh, metal, you're not writing songs, you're writing anthems. Um, and and that, that's just the, the sense that I get from it. Now, do you resonate with anything I just said? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> if I documented my songwriting process, I think uh, I don't even know what the result would be. It's, it's completely chaotic. And yet um, all I know is like when you're focused in the zone, you're not paying attention to any of that of the process until it just comes out and then you know, it's done. So it is very much like painting a picture. You kind of have a general idea of where you're going. In fact, I don't really know what the techniques for painting are, but I'm assuming you kind of have a general idea of what you're going for. And then you also see where it leads you a bit, I guess, if that's one style. So that's what my songwriting is like. And then there's a lot with the symphonic side of it. Um, and I have this computer that I'm on right now that has access to thousands and thousands of sounds and, and instruments. And so suddenly I have an entire orchestra at my fingertips along with, you know, potentially tens of thousands of different uh, sounds available. And it can be a little overwhelming, but yeah, you, uh, the, the way I do it is I always base it off of a melody so I'm starting with like a really strong melody, really strong chord structure that that makes me feel really good. And then I start um, adding other parts and bits to it. So there's a kind of a basic stru structure, uh, but sometimes I get carried away on one part. Where I'm like, ooh, this and then that. And then I start building that one part before I've even built the rest of the song. And then I realized, you know, it didn't go where I wanted it to go. So, you know, you have those moments too. That's why I say it's chaotic because I couldn't even try to replicate it for somebody if I tried. <laughs> sounds and all the instruments and so forth and I want to come to the instrument that I think most people notice or are struck by the most when they listen to your music Leah and that's your voice uh, let's talk about your voice a little bit so we've seen it on the internet you know some people refer to you as the Enya of, of metal um, there is a purity there's a clarity there uh, it, not the same as say a Pat Benatar or Ronnie James Dio, but those are a couple of the names that come up immediately in my mind in terms of purity and clarity. So where did that come from? Did, did, did you train? Did, did, were you inquire as a kid? Uh, is this is totally raw, natural. Uh, tell us about your voice. I There's very little I could really tell you on that other than yeah, I grew up Yes, I sang in choir, but not, um, I mean, it was more like Christmas choir 
kids choir stuff. I did do as much singing as I could whenever opportunities would come up, but um, I, I tried classical voice lessons for maybe six months and I, I was like, I don't want to sing like that. And then, so it didn't really resonate with me, that style of training. So that, that didn't last very long. And then, uh, I mean, I would say generally my family's fairly musical. Um, all my aunts and uncles sang together. So I've, I've been around music, choirs and singing, but didn't have really good opportunities for training. So it was mostly everything has been self-taught. And then over the years, I've realized like where some of my limitations are. And so I'm really seeking to even just like stretch myself now. And now I have access to some good training. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just that now comes down to like discipline, right? Like a daily discipline to like do the training and do the practicing and do the things that I know are going to strengthen my voice and, and help me uh, become even better. So yeah. Um, I always knew I had like a, when I was younger, I had this really soft, airy voice and I didn't know how, how to like, that's all I had, but I, I got really good feedback on that too. Like it was very, you know, you could call it angelic or I'm not sure what, but then I also have developed like quite a more, like a more powerful, like lower chest voice. And now as I'm getting a little older, I'm able to start developing the higher ranges a little better as well. And it's just a technique, right? It's just technique and strengthening muscles and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, my, my journey has been very much self-taught for most of the time. Yeah. Well, it, it's rich. It's pure. We could talk about tone. I think we, we could talk about so many things there, but you're talking about that being self-taught and you talk about starting a musical career really, and, and getting into this after being married, after having children, at this point, I want to talk directly to any of our listeners out there. Don't you ever say, well, the ship has passed me by. I went a different direction, and boy, I sure wish I could have done that. Knock it off. Listen to what Leah has been saying in this episode. Here's somebody who started doing it maybe a little bit later, uh, after other things got established in her life, she just developed it herself. And folks, get out there and do it. And if you're feeling that God is calling you uh, in some particular artistic way, whether it's music or otherwise, uh, graphic art or writing or wh whatever it is, you can do it. And, and, and Leah is a great example of that. Uh, and I think that aspect of your story really is, is, is so powerful. Thank you. I mean, I, I actually tell people that a lot. Um, and I don't know if people know that I have uh, a music marketing academy where I teach other independent musicians how to market their music, doing exactly what I had to do, right? Which was all I have is the internet. And, and this last year, tours were all canceled. And a lot of music artists careers were also canceled because of that. Whereas I, myself and my students, we just kept doing what we were already doing. And, you know, we, we're still financially supported because we've set those things up. But I always tell my students, um, what's your excuse? Because I've, I've been doing this whole thing uh, as, a, as a married mother of five that I've homeschooled this entire time. Like 98% of them don't have five kids, 99% of them. And they have more time than I do. So I would just say, what's your excuse? 
Like yeah. use me as the example. And I try to encourage them with that. Right. Because um, I don't believe that there is any, I mean, things have never been cheaper to access tools available. You have the internet, you have, you can easily build a following. Like what, what is seriously holding you back? There can't be anything good. I'm, I, it doesn't really fly with me anyways. <laughs> been an artist and you know we want to know number one um to tell our listeners where's the best place to find you and find your music and uh, number two what do you have planning in the future and just a follow-up question to that is you can answer this um uh, answer this third question <laughs> sorry i'm going to give it i'm going to give it 12 questions to answer in one no. <laughs> but this third question is um You can answer this based on your next project or what you're working on now, but what would you you say is the message that Leah, as an artist, is giving to the world? So first question is, where can people find me? Yes. Well, I'm I'm on Facebook and Instagram, so you can follow on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Leah the Music, so you can follow me there. Uh, Website is leahmusic.net. Um, basically from there, you can find anything that you want. I mean, you can get my music anywhere on all the platforms. Um, and if you want to buy my music directly, you can go to the leahshop.com. So you can get, you know, hard copies of albums there. And second question was. Any pro what, what, what are the projects you're working on now? Oh, from you here. Right. Yeah. So, so I, this is a writing year for me. So I am definitely writing music, um, feeling inspired, feeling uh, kind of revitalized and yeah, ready, ready to start writing for the new album. So I'm about four or five songs deep and we'll see how many I end up with, but I'm really loving the direction so far. I can say that it's a lot heavier than the ones before. Well, I'll say heavier and folkier and like, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, I'll be having some really cool guests on this album. Um, yeah, I, I will. And here's the other thing, too, about like the choices I've made in terms of, you know, we talked about different camps and such. Um, some of the guests that I'm able to work with because of that is pretty awesome. Um, that I can't say for sure that they would or wouldn't, would, no matter which camp you're in, but, I'll, but I do know that I'm really pleased with the people I'm able to work with and develop relationships with. I think it's really, really cool. Um, So yeah, working on the new album. That's the next thing. 
that I'm, that's my next big project. So we're, we're deep in the songwriting. that we're in a time right now just this day and era that we will produce new like William Wallace's and new like Robert the Bruce's people like that like it's either that or it's going to be a really dark time for some time but I personally believe that it's people like it's it's really tough eras where you see a lot of tyranny and a lot of like loss of freedoms that that forms those kinds of people. Like you didn't see William Wallace until you saw, you know, the, the tyranny encroaching upon them and the, and the, and the times where they were losing their freedoms, they were losing their country. They were losing those things. And that's when you hear, that's why that we have history books written about them. And so I'm, I'm all about that right now. I'm like all about just wanting to preserve the freedoms that our ancestors have fought for. And you will hear that in the lyrics in my future songs. You'll be hearing about that, about being willing to um, stand up. I feel that our men in society right now need to be encouraged to have courage, to take courage, to take a stand and to um, fight for freedom and to protect their families. And sometimes it's us women that has to ask for that, to remind them. Like we're vulnerable, we do need you. We can't do it all on our own. We need to stick together. I just have, I have so much I could talk to you, but I, I, it's not an elevator pitch. It's more like a speech. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. wow. Liz, I, I will, I'm gonna go on, on the record and say right now, if I weren't already looking forward to your album, just even, especially when you said even, even heavier, of course that gets my attention. Uh, but when you start talking about some of that sort of lyrical content, some of those themes, I have to get that. So it, it, seriously, do you have an estimated, guesstimated time? Or is this something you think might come out yet in 2021? Or are we looking at 2022? It'll be in 22. Yeah. At the pace that I'm going, which is really not um, a very, I'm taking my time. Like I've just, I've got so many other things on my plate at the moment. So I'm taking my time, but I'm pumped about it and I feel that it's a very timely album. I don't know what it's going to be called yet or anything, but um, it's on, it's definitely on another level. It's a, there's for sure a theme to it so far. Um, and yeah, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll know. And uh, I hope that it'll be a great encouragement to the world, no matter where, where people are at or even just, what side of the aisle they find themselves on. I think this is a message that is timeless and that 
Um, you know, you watch any good movie, any good movie, and it's going to have these themes in it, right? Lord of the Rings. Yes. yes right. Yes. It's, it's all it's Absolutely. all about that. It's all about, you know, this one ring of power that, um, oh, but if I had the ring, then I would do good with it. Right. And and how deceitful that is and how, you know, it's the it's the unsuspecting people that come up that can make all the difference, right? But it takes it takes a, a great effort. So those are themes that are timeless that I'm writing about. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to release this one. This is great. I, I think that um, this is one of those times where, as our listeners hear your heart and hear what you say, you're going to get a lot of more followers that weren't already following you um, because they hear where you stand with all of this. So mm. we appreciate your authenticity. We appreciate your heart and we appreciate your creativity. We appreciate your time and uh, giving of your time to be on the show with us and putting up with uh with us crazy guys uh, for, for a little bit of time here. We just want to thank you for being on the show and uh, we will be looking forward to what you do next. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Great meeting you guys. It was such an honor to interview Leah. 
Someone who does so much with her life, all the way from being a homeschool mom to being a heavy metal recording artist on the weekends. She mentioned in this interview that at times people ask her, how can you be a business owner, a homeschool mom, and an artist at the same time? And her response, instead of saying, well, um, I'm trying to choose one that's going to be better, um, life would be better if I only was just an artist, she said, people don't realize that it's being a homeschool mom and a business owner that makes me a good artist. That is a phenomenal statement to make because all of us grew up in the era where if you're going to be an artist, you're going to be an artist and that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And very seldom is it something that is accepted that you do on the side. But as she put it, sometimes God puts us in situations where we feel like he's taken that calling and passion away, but instead, maybe we should look at what he's having us do as that is going to help us be the better artists that we desire to be. We should do that with everything with Christ. You see, because our whole life is not categorized as this is our Christian part of our life and then this is our secular part of our life. Um, our entire life is devoted to him. The Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. And that is the message from this episode. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you next time. The Wild Man and Steve Show is now partnering with New Release Today. Find out more about them at newreleasetoday.com. And don't forget to check out our website where you can also leave us a review at wildmanandsteve.com. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time.